Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you turn in your Bibles, please with me to John chapter 12, verse 1. John chapter 12 says this, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor, he said? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Many of you know this story. It's it's a famous story and there are other anointing stories in the Bible that's referenced to people, uh, particularly the women who would anoint Jesus when he would come into the house and they would anoint him and they would sacrifice this perfume, as it were, on Jesus. And this is a famous story. In fact, one of the, the, the Gospels describes it as it says this story when she does this, the alabastergite will be something that's remembered in years to come because of the sacrifice that was paid that day. And I just want to look at this story today because I believe this story gives us an insight into two different characters of actually followers of Jesus, follow people who are close to Jesus. There are many characters in this story, but there's two individuals I just wanted to look at today of two people in that room that day who were followers of Jesus. And we know one of them is this lady, Mary, who decides to, and I just want you to picture this in this room, she decides, and this is just after Lazarus has died and been resurrected from the dead, she decides to open, it says, this pint of pure nard. Nard is is from a plant, it's called spike nard, it's from a plant from the Himalayas that would have been imported in. And this This perfume that she opened, 
he says, was worth about a year's wages. That is a lot of money. It was an expensive bottle of perfume. And she opens this and begins to pour it on Jesus' feet. And to clean it with a and to clean his feet with her hair. Another character comes in then, and we hear Judas Iscariot, and a famous character he was. He comes into this story and objects to the very thing that Mary's just done. He objects and says, Don't you realize the value of this perfume? Don't you realize this pint of pure nard is worth all of this money? Remember Judas, we, a lot of the time we remember Judas Iscariot as the one who betrayed Jesus. But right now at this point, he's, he's one of Jesus' disciples. He's selected by Jesus. He's the one with the money bag. He's the one who's looked after. He's the treasurer. I hope that we've got a lot of trust in our treasurer. Jaron. But Judas... He was trusted by Jesus. He was a character of follower in that room. And he objects to what Mary is doing. Mary also, as we know, is one who loved Jesus. The people observe this. This is a family. Lazarus and Martha and Mary, they loved him. And they believed in him. They saw the resurrection, didn't they, of their brother? Just a chapter before. And I believe this story for us, it represents two individuals. Two individuals that I believe, although were followers of Jesus, they represent two types of Christians. And I want to present that today. The title of this message is Superficial or Sacrificial. Superficial or Sacrificial. Two very similar sounding words, but completely different. I believe that today as Christians, we can become and fall easily into a category of being superficial rather than sacrificial. Sometimes we say to ourselves, well, sacrificial, what do I need to sacrifice? What do I need to do when I'm a Christian? Jesus has paid the price For us all, he's done everything. What am I supposed to be doing? But we have to sacrifice our lives daily to him. The first point today I want to bring is this. That in this story, they counted the cost. Both of them. They counted the cost. I don't know whether you and your Christian walk, the last time you counted the cost... To be a Christian. You counted the cost to be a follower of Jesus. You counted the cost to serve him and worship him just like she did. Mary chooses to open this bottle of pure nard in their house that is worth a year's wages. Now I'm telling you, there's not many things in my house that I have, if I ring my insurance company up and they say to me, go through the list of things that you've got, your valuable items. Half the time I just, I think, well I don't know what I've got and adding it all up. 
but we don't really understand. But there's not many of us, there may be some, and if, if you're here, I'd like to be your friend, who have something, one piece of property in your house that's worth the whole year's wages. Wow. And just think about it because we read this passage so many times and we just look at it and say, oh, she opened up some perfume and put it on Jesus' feet. But she opens up something that has got so much value. And the only person that flinches in the room is Judas, a follower of Jesus. The family who were making the meal and Lazarus who's reclining at the table doesn't flinch. He doesn't say a word about this jar that's been opened, but yet one of them objects, the one who Jesus selected. He objects and says, don't you realize this is worth a year's wages? It was worth 300 denarii, which they say is one denarius was a full day, a, a full day's wage. And she pours this out onto his feet. Jesus says, and, he, and he, go, he says back to Judas, he says, this was prepared, this was for my burial. It was meant to be that that perfume would be in this house at this time, at this moment for me. In fact, when he said that to Mary, I don't even think Mary understood what he meant. You see, people in the Bible, if you read it, didn't really understand that Jesus was going to the cross. He was going to die. He spoke of this, but they were so adamant that they had a king. They didn't see this. So when he said that, she must have thought, I don't really understand what you're saying, but I'm going to use it. How how many of you know that God, he knows every single detail. He had that bottle there ready for him. But the main thing is this, even though she didn't know he was going to die, she still poured it out. She still released the bottle, even though she knew that Jesus had just resurrected her brother in the previous chapter. She was so thankful. She was so blessed to have her brother back. And right now, here she is with the resurrected brother sat next to her. And she knows that it's worth everything to give Jesus her all. Do we really know today Jesus' worth? Do we really understand his worth? Where do we put his worth? If we are the best of everything we have, where do we value God? Where do we count the cost with him of what he's worth? She was blessed to have this valuable item, to have this very thing and to say, I'm going to give it all to Jesus. I'm going to surrender this most expensive, valuable item I've got. I'm not going to show off about that I've got this. I mean, I don't know why she had a bottle of perfume that's worth a year's wages. I'd have sold it by now on eBay. But she did. And she has this. And she realized that God, who'd sent his son, the very person in that room who had the power to resurrect people from the dead, She knew that she was with God Almighty. And she knew that as she poured out this upon his feet, she was giving her very best to him. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. 
So many of us forget when we start to get good jobs and we start to produce the wealth, we start to think it's our wealth. And sometimes God is right on the shelf. And we say, look at what we've got, Lord. Thank you for blessing me. But when it comes to the crunch, are we willing to give it all for him? He's asking us today to count the cost. Jesus said this in Luke 14 to his disciples. He said you need to count the cost of being a disciple. Verse 28 of Luke 14, it says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you've got enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees you will ridicule you. The person saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. See, Jesus says, don't you realize before you walk with me, before you operate in my kingdom, before you love me and get to know me, don't you realize you're going to have to count the cost on your life? And Mary did. I thank God that that day Mary poured out that perfume. I thank I thank God that she obeyed and he saw dedication and someone who was willing to sacrifice everything. But right in that very room that day was Judas who wasn't. Somebody who had been given responsibility. In fact, the one who had the responsibility to look after the money for this group of disciples, for their operation, everything they were doing. He being given this duty, but yet still, the one who being chosen to look after the cash is the one who doesn't understand the value of Jesus. Don't ever say that Jesus doesn't, he, he chooses right or wrong people. We never understand when we look at his selection of what's going on. But he chooses even the worst case scenarios of people. He doesn't select the best and finest. He selects ones, and it's up to us to see how we will run with it. He's not looking for you to be perfect to enter into his kingdom work. So many of us are thinking he looks for the perfect people. But Judas he selected, and it was up to him to rescue himself from that position of not seeing his value. Not seeing the value of Jesus. He asked them to count the cost. We need to evaluate. We need to evaluate before we even move forward with God. I know that when we stepped into the the ministry and to do what we're doing now, there were questions over when I remember the day when I was asked, can you do this? And I'd had... A job before, the job I had, it was a great job and I used to love it and people looked after us there. It was a secure job. It had so much safety and security in it, although no job secure. But people used to say, work for this company, they look after you, you feel safe and secure. And in all that, there were things we had to evaluate before we stepped into the ministry that would say, we, we're not, we haven't got this safety that we used to have. But what we realized, we counted the cost. It didn't really add up. It didn't really add up that to walk into ministry, even though you don't have that safety net, 
even though you don't have the same insurance policies backing you up, still it was better. Still it was better to count the cost and to follow and trust Jesus Christ. So much more. And I want to encourage you today, there's going to be people in this room in the future who will be called to ministry, they're going to be called to greater things. Let me tell you this. When we're trying to push people to do more and more for the kingdom of God, it's not so we can have a nice time. It's so that people will be releasing to their full destiny that they have been called to do. There are some people in this room that have not been called to do the things they're doing and they're going to be doing different things. But you have to count the cost. And one day you're going to have to count it for real. You're going to be challenged to count the cost of whether you can sacrifice everything for Jesus. And I want to encourage you today. My advice is this. Always do it. Always follow Jesus. Outside their house that day, where they were meeting for this meal to celebrate, was a mob of people, crowds it said, trying to see Lazarus, not just Jesus. We read many times in the Bible that the people want to see Jesus, don't they? But there were crowds of people and they want to see Lazarus. Why? Because in the previous chapter he'd just been raised from the dead. There's a little note there that look at what happens when a miracle happens, it attracts the people. We pre- I spoke about it last week. When things happen, there are crowds. Don't look for the dead churches. Look for the places where the crowds are. And believe you and me, there's not enough crowds here yet. But there will be, and it will not be because of us, but because of Jesus. All his works. All his works, not our works. They were looking to see the resurrected Lazarus. He says the Jewish council wanted to kill Lazarus. They wanted to get rid of him because people were turning to Jesus because of this. Mary knew the cost. What I find amazing about this is that she, as she opens up this perfume and there's a lot of hoo-ha going on and Judas is saying, what are you doing? And the smell of the perfume's coming out, filling the room. She is effectively signaling, saying, we're here. All to the mob. She's saying, we're here. Those who were looking to kill Lazarus, I know he was, he, he nearly died in the previous chapter. But do you know what? We'll sacrifice everything. Here we are. Come and get us. Come and get us. You can come back again because all we're interested in is our Savior. This mob was looking. They wanted to kill Lazarus off again because he was bringing people to Jesus. But a sacrificial heart will not worry about anyone. It won't worry about anyone. And these mobs were there and she was there signaling to the opposition, come on, here we are. I want to ask you today, is your Christianity one that sacrifices everything? That gives up everything of your all? In Genesis chapter 22, the famous story of Abraham taking his son. Genesis 22 verse 2, it says, God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son. Listen to these words. If I had to take my son, my only son, and carry him to the top of a mountain because God called me to put him on a sacrifice and give him to God. Take your only son 
and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I don't know if you've ever pictured this. Some of us again, we just think, oh, he walks up the mountain. He takes his son. This sacrifice that, believe you and me, even just to set off on the journey was an amazing thing. To set off on the journey to get to this place where he would sacrifice his son. But then I picture this as he tried to tie his son to this altar. And his son would have been saying, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he was saying to him probably, son, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. How many of you know that God wasn't interested in seeing his son killed? He wasn't interested in seeing that little boy killed that day. He was interested in seeing the heart of Abraham. He was interested in seeing the heart of a man that would give everything. And how many of you know, and we sung about it today, he sent his own son. He did what Abraham didn't have to do. He sent his son to die in your place. And the same battle that was going on in that, that altar that day when he tried to tie him as this burnt offering on that altar, that same battle that was going on there saying, the son saying, what's happening? Why? Why are you doing this? And the father was looking saying, trust me, trust me. Don't you know it's the picture of the cross? Jesus was on the cross. He said, Father, if this cup could pass from me. And the father had to turn his head when he saw the sin that was put upon his son. If you think, oh, it sounds bad that he had to call him to do this. He had to call Abraham to put his son there on the altar. He didn't fulfill it because God the Father knew he would send his own son. But the same thing was going on there. That same discussion, I believe. That same agony between father and son. That revealed true heart of sacrifice. Abraham gives his closest thing, his his son to, to die. He knew that if he gave that, he knew that God the Father was more important. His obeying God the Father was more important than this. And God saw his heart. And so many of us today can be superficial in our sacrifice. We can look like we're setting the altar. We can look like we're playing the part. We can look like we're doing everything to please God. And we look like to others like we are the perfect Christians. But he's looking for the heart. You cannot fool him. He sees every heart including mine. I've tried to fool him sometimes. And I failed because I cannot fool the Father. He knows my heart. He knew the heart of that Father that day when he put his son onto this altar. Judas also counted the cost. He counts the cost in that room that day when the perfume gets opened. He looks at the room and he objects. He says, why wasn't this perfume sold And given to the poor. Oh, doesn't he look so good? He says to Jesus, 
Why didn't you do this? You could have done so much more. You could have affected so many more people. You could have affected all the poor people you know a year's wages, but yet you've just had it put on your feet. Jesus said, didn't he? He said, he's not saying this. He's not saying this because he wants to help the poor. But because he already was dibbing in the money bag. He was interested in his money rather than Jesus. His eyes were filled with the money. His eyes were filled on other things other than this perfume. He couldn't see past the smell. He couldn't see past what was going on in that room. All he could see was is how much value has been lost. How sad it is that some people today can't sacrifice themselves enough. And they try to look like they're trying to be something else when they're not. And we become superficial rather than sacrificial. Jesus says in Matthew 25, Whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. We need to give ourselves to people. Some people say, how do I sacrifice? How do I do this? Jesus said it here. He says, when you do things for other people, when you do give to the poor, when you do these good things as well, you do it for me. But most importantly is your body, everything you are first. Don't try trying to do everything for everyone else. I'm looking at you, Jesus says. Some of us do it the reverse way around. We try to do all the good works again for people. We try to say, well, I think we should do this for the poor. But really our hearts are not sacrificial. We're superficial on the outside. Let me tell you, I preach this today because it's easy for us all to fall into this category. The enemy wants to rob us and to show us that we can try and be superficial. But he wants authentic Christianity. Paul said in Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, my, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We need to present our bodies daily. Who we are to Jesus as a living sacrifice. We might not have the perfume in the house. We might not have the high value item. But what Jesus is looking for today in us is for us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. Amen. Number two is this. Check your motives. Check your motives. Mary's motives here are led by the Spirit of God. Mary's motives are led by the Spirit of God. She prepares him for burial without full understanding. Because she's led by the Spirit. But we read also that Judas reveals his motive as well. He says, why couldn't this be given to the poor? His motive was fake. His motive wasn't real. His motive wasn't the true motive. He didn't care about the poor. We can present these false motives. False motives of what we're trying to show that we're doing, but really, our hearts are far away from it. I don't know if you've ever been into McDonald's. I take the children sometimes to McDonald's. I don't like it myself. I sometimes, I'll fall for a burger every now and again. 
But when you go into, into these restaurants, one of the things that really, really gets to me, and it's from a background probably of doing the things I did in design and things, is that when you go in and you go to, the, to get served, and you look at the pictures above, and you're choosing your food, and the food that you choose never looks the same as what you get. I ordered a Big Mac. I thought it was going to be big. And it gets presented. And there's lettuce, brown lettuce, just flopping out the side. Mustard just everywhere. And it's half the size of the picture. And you look and think, what is it? You presented this to me. You said that I'm going to get this. But really, what you've given me for my money that you've asked for is not the same. And I believe it's the true with us. Sometimes we can be like the McDonald's. Sometimes we can say, this is what we give. We put up all the pretty pictures and say, this is what we give. This is how we sacrifice. This is our lives. But the truth is this. God receives it and looks and says, it's nothing like you said it was going to be. It's not like the picture that you present to others. It's not sacrificial. Sometimes to produce the things that McDonald's put on the pictures will cost them twice as much money. It would cost double the amount to make the picture. But they know that when someone in Photoshop and on their computer can make the, big, the burger bigger, and I know it can be done. There's so much of this world today we look at that is not real because it's all been Photoshopped. And we look at it and think this is real. But here we have people trying to present something that they don't give. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you could, to Malachi 1. Just quickly to Malachi 1. Malachi chapter 1. God's speaking through the prophet Malachi. And he's talking about their offerings. He's talking about these Old Testament offerings to God. He says this, God, through Malachi. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Here God was saying through his prophet to them, he says, don't you know, just like the McDonald's story, don't you know you're bringing these blemished animals and to others, you've been holding back at home the perfect ones. You've been holding back what you've got, the best of what you've got, and you're bringing these blemished animals and presenting them to me. You're cheating me, says God. Holding back the good for yourself. And so many of us can do that. We're not living in the Old Testament. We're not dragging into church blemished animals for sacrifice. We're not having to do any of this anymore. Thank Jesus for that. That he made a new covenant. But one thing here that's true. 
We can do it the same. You might say, that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. That's the Old Testament. For us, we can be bringing our blemished sacrifices ourselves. We don't bring everything that we are. And we try and we think we can fool God. But we cannot fool God. He knows our hearts and our motives. If we act like this, we begin to act like an atheist. Someone who doesn't believe that there's a God. We act as though there's no God. Proverbs 16 verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. All a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. Some of us, we can fall into this trap. Where we start to do things. We start to become superficial. We start to bring ourselves before the Lord. And we, we start to talk ourselves into believing that we fooled God. He's not going to notice this. He's not going to notice that I haven't got, I've left my best aside. He'll see that as just a blessing that I've received. But he's looking at our hearts. All of our motives are weighed. By the Lord. You remember the story in Acts 4 and Acts 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. They held back their prophets. He says that right in the start of the church when the people, the group of believers who were together. He says this, that they shared everything, all their possessions. He says that they had everything in common. They sold things and gave things to each other to make sure everyone could live. And Ananias and Sapphira, they held back prophets from their land. They held back some prophets and tried to fool God. They tried to fool the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know what happens? I hope it never happens to me. They drop dead. Because God knows the heart. Acts 5 verse 3, Peter said, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart? That you've lied to the Holy Spirit. We cannot lie to God. And we must guard our heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. The real heart of Judas that day was that he looked at Jesus. He looked in that room. He looked at Jesus as the lady was putting this perfume upon Jesus' feet. Judas Iscariot looks and he objects to this year's worth of wages. But I'll tell you what his real motive was that day. His motive was this, that he looked at Jesus and do you know the value he saw of Jesus was 30 pieces of silver. He looked at Jesus before he was going to be receiving the 30 pieces of silver for him to betray him. He looked at him. You've got one lady in this room who is a follower of Jesus. She loves him. She gives everything to him. She now pours out a year's wages. He objects to this. And all he can see in his eyes is this. You're worth 30 pieces of silver. That's the value. Do you know what 30 pieces of silver is? It's less than half the amount of the bottle of perfume. 
It's 120 denarii. When he looked at him, when he looked at Jesus having this perfume put upon him that's worth 300 denarii, he values in his heart, he says, do you know, in my heart I would take 120 denarii for you and have you crucified. I don't know if you see this in the picture, but the one who Jesus selects, he looks at him and sees Jesus as just worth half the amount of the perfume, less than half. He reveals his true heart. He reveals his true heart. The last point I want to bring today is this, that it would change the atmosphere. It would change the atmosphere. When people bring a true living sacrifice to God, when they bring that true sacrifice from their hearts, you will see an atmosphere change. You will see it's not about religion. It's not about trying to present something we're not. It's not about trying to be superficial. It's not trying to be the good people. It's a heart of sacrifice. John 12 verse 3 in this story we read. He says this. And you might just read it quickly but I glimpsed something else into it. He says when she opened the perfume, not just when she puts it on Jesus, but when she opens this bottle, this pure nard. He says the whole house was filled with this fragrance. The whole house was filled with this fragrance. We're not talking about someone just putting a little smelly thing on that's just got a subtle smell. He filled the whole room where they were eating. He filled the whole room. About a couple of years ago, we went to America. And when we were in America, we had a list. If ever, anyone's ever been to America, people give lists of what they want when you come home. It's cheaper, isn't it, in America? These guys, you've just been to America. It's cheaper when you go to America to buy things. So when we went out there, some people said to us, can you bring us a couple of things back? And one of our nephews said to us, he said, will you bring back some t-shirts, I think it was, from Hollister or somewhere. And you got these Hollister and, and, and if you don't know them, Abercrombie and these places. So we hunt around America, we go around this place, we're in New York and we're looking for Hollister. And I see this big building and we arrive there. I've never been in this place before. I know there's one in Cambridge. But I've never been in before and this is the first time and I'm greeted by these two young boys on the front of the door all dressed in ski hats and it was quite warm at the time but I wasn't sure what was going on. I thought it must be cool, I must, I'll must. i have to get one of these along with my white handkerchief. So I'm greeted by them and honestly it felt like I was going in a nightclub rather than a shop. I walked in. The next thing is it's pitch black. I cannot see a thing. The only thing I could see was the clothes, which was good for them, but not for me. I was tripping up. And I'm walking around this big store, and it was pitch black. And I'm looking, thinking, is everyone like this? Is this the new way of shopping that you have to need, you need a torch to get around? And I'm trying to look on the labels and trying to get the spotlights to find the price. I know they're, I know they're thinking. 
But I walked in there and there's one thing I noticed is this. Already I had had this different shopping experience. Already I was in this place where I'd never seen anything like this. Normally I go in a shop and I can see where I'm walking. But the next thing is this. I got the same people I meet out on the front with the ski hats are now inside. And they're spraying the perfume and aftershave that they're selling. Well, I didn't know what it was. So I looked at them and I see all these people every now and again. They walk past and say, how you doing? And I thought, what is this? What are they spraying? It smells good. This whole place smells like a bottle of perfume or aftershave. It smells really good. And I went up to someone. I said, what, what is that you're spraying? They said, oh, it's the aftershave. You can buy it over there, sir. You just need a torch to find it. And they said to me, you can buy this, it's, it's what we sell. And I looked and it's a hefty price, you know, like bottles of perfume are, expensive perfume. But long were the days, I'd gone into a shop and there's someone walking around spraying Glade air freshener at two pound a bottle from Tesco's. No, now they're spraying this most expensive perfume. Now they're spraying the most expensive thing, that one of the things that they sell. And it filled this whole place. Do you know what? I left there, I didn't buy any there after Shiv. I got enough on me as it was. But I came back to England and when I walked through the Grand Arcade, many of you know this, if you walk through the Grand Arcade, I only got to Costa on the corner and I could smell the same smell. I recognized the smell I recognized that it was the same smell that I'd smelt in America. The same guys with the ski hats were here. Spraying the spray. And I recognized that that place was doing the same thing. But do you know what it did? It made me think that they're willing to give everything and make this whole place smell to remind them. They're willing to spend the money to bring you in. And it filled that whole place, that fragrance. I knew that for them to fill the room, but not only that, to fill the Grand Arcade half their way up must cost a lot of money. This is no Glade air freshener. I use Glade, by the way. This is pure aftershave. And let me tell you this, when someone is sacrificing at real cost, you'll smell it a mile off. You will smell it a mile off. You'll come into the church, you'll see, you'll smell it. You'll know that people are sacrificing their lives to Jesus Christ. You won't have to walk in and try to find out, is this the kind of operation here? No. You'll walk in and you'll see lives that are giving themselves over. And it'll be like Hollister, not that we're much, not that we're the same, but people will come down and you will notice it. And in that room that day, He says the whole house was full of the fragrance. It will change the atmosphere. Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2. He says this, Follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
Hallelujah. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a sacrifice, a fragrant offering to God. Paul says, like Christ, we should walk in the way of love. We should walk in that sacrificial love, a fragrant offering to God. And our lives should permeate the essence of real, true, authentic sacrifice and love. Christ gave everything for us, so we should give everything to him. Amen. 2 Corinthians 2 says this, Paul says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, but to another an aroma that brings life. Hallelujah. I just want to finish with this final thought of looking at these characters again. But I want you to notice this. That as it says that that room was filled with this fragrance. Lazarus is there reclining at the table. He's, he's reclining in the company of this conversation. And the room was filled up. There's mobs outside trying to find Lazarus and find him because they know that he's just been raised from the dead. And now they can come and see him. There's also another, the, Jew, the chief priests who are trying to kill Lazarus. There's a lot going on in this story. But let me just remind you of this. Just in the previous chapter, when Jesus arrives in Bethany, and he walks up to the tomb, and Mary and Martha are distressed, because they've just lost their brother. They said, you're too late. He's in the tomb. He's in the tomb. You're too late. If only you'd have come earlier. And Jesus arrives on the scene. And what does he do? He walks up and apart from crying and, and looking distressed himself because he loved Lazarus himself. He says this in John eleven thirty eight. Take away the stone. They said to him, if you take away this stone, by this time there's going to be a bad odor. If you remove the stone, there's going to be a bad odor. You're going to smell death of four days. But they still do it. There are people around at that time who think, if they move the stone, this is wishful thinking. This is not going to happen. But Mary believes in her God. Mary believes that Jesus can do what he says he can do. And she commands and she asks them, let's move the stone. And right then and there, I believe that what she did is sacrificed her pride. She sacrificed her pride before others that people who probably thought she's crazy to believe this. She sacrificed the fact that she was going to reveal a body that had decayed for four days and would smell. But she believed that actually it would change the atmosphere if she was willing to drop her pride and believe that Jesus could actually change the circumstance. And she does. And Jesus sees Lazarus raised from the dead. 
How many of you know there won't be a bad odour when there's life? There won't be a bad smell when life is there. It will change the atmosphere. And that family, Lazarus, Mary and Martha, changed the atmosphere. They changed the atmosphere. Because right then and there they said, yes, remove the stone. They didn't believe that there would be bad odours. They said, right, do what you're going to do. And just a chapter later, the same people who knew that Lazarus had been raised from the dead and now wanting to go to a house, the same family again. But this time they would not meet Lazarus in a tomb that stenches of death. They would walk into a house and see him and he would be alive, resurrected, a changed atmosphere and a smell that filled the whole house. Hallelujah. How many of you know that we just see in one chapter all this happens in just these few chapters and already the chief priests are wanting to kill Lazarus off again. They're already wanting to get rid. And let me tell you this, the enemy will always come and try and destroy real sacrifice. He will try to destroy true sacrifice. But today, we could change the atmosphere. We can change the atmosphere and have a life that's sacrificial to God. And we will permeate a fragrant offering to Him. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.